This week we read The Mazarin Stone. Oh. Oh, Mazarin Stone. Oh, uh, Nick? Uh. I think maybe taking those edibles was a mistake. The game is afoot, all our buddies. Welcome back to the final Podblum, your first, foremost, and only Sherlock Holmes read-through program that may or may not be a silhouette dummy sitting in the room with you presently. I, for my part, am Old CW, and joining me here are, as of course always, Nicholas, with at least one cat in his room, <laughs> and Paul Thomas Miller of the Weekly Watsonian, noted Mazarin Stoner, live from the Sherloft. Well, hello. Yes. Hello, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. It's uh evening over here. I'm well into my second bottle of wine. I'm doing fine. Nice. You are living your best quarantine life. Well done. <laughs> I just woke up. So you, you were yeah, I I woke up about an hour and a half ago and then uh watched the fourth season finale of Breaking Bad, which my wife and I have been going through, so I am very stressed Start out. Strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start as you mean the, the the world around me wasn't quite terrifying enough, so I decided to watch one man intentionally demolish his own life. <laughs> oh man. I mean I just finished Bojack Horseman, so kinda same. So the Mazarin Stone, Paul, tell us Okay, for like you, when, when we when we arrived on the scene and were were very grateful and lucky uh, to meet Brad and the other crew over at the Watsonian Weekly, so last Weekly Watsonian, whichever, and and all of it. Um, you you were already you were such a power in in the discourse and in in this community, and we were just very lucky. We were like little barnacles attaching to all of you cats, and and just for protection and the nutrition we could filter from your wake. But like, tell us, tell us what and why and how with Holmes, and particularly with this story. What's what is what is with you and the great detective? Well, I'm I'm the last living direct descendant of Conan Doyle. Oh, seriously. No, but it's really good fun to lie to Nick. Well, <laughs> first one of the day, first one of the day, but not the last. <laughs> when we were talking in Twitter, I I text Nicholas and he said this guy is awesome, and I'm glad we're having him on the show. And I said yes because his humor is my favorite in the world. Just ridiculous fake lies presented 100 percent as seriously as possible, and. <laughs> And Nicholas just sends me a little gift that says, I feel like I'm in danger. <laughs> I, I, I like oh. to think I'm smart, but sarcasm and jokes are not, <laughs> not my, I don't know. That's, you are. No, you're, you're very smart. You're, uh, you're, you're such, you're such a good, you're such a good sweet boy, Nicholas. Uh, I try. <laughs> Life, life, well, is, see, that's the life thing. is a lot, and sometimes you can only catch as much as yeah. <laughs> you can. <laughs> life, no, life, life is absolutely a lot, and uh, I myself am, am very credulous, but of of things I should not be. Like if we meet <laughs> we, we meet a, a dedicated Sherlockian here, and he tells us he's the last surviving descendant of Arthur Conan Doyle, like that's inside the realm of possibility. Like it's not impossible. <laughs> it would make a couple of things add up. <laughs> It's not a ridiculous. Like, that doesn't sound right, but I don't know enough about the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle to dispute it. Right? He had a lot of sisters and brothers. Exactly. I mean, I could have played that for half an hour. <laughs> <couldn't I? laughs> you really? Could, you could have played it the whole show by 
guy, dude. We could have gone the whole the whole rest of our friendship years going forward. We would be telling people at cocktail parties. Do you know I did a uh, podcast with the last living descendant of Arthur Cohen? Yeah, absolutely. who's to say? I, who's to say I still won't do that? Part of it, I will admit. Uh, is the American tendency to just take British people super seriously. And I have to imagine that's a lot of fun. That's a bizarre thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> should never do that. Because, see, what we're saying is never what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to learn that real quick. Uh, you hear an Good Englishman say, to... that's no. okay. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> It really is bizarro world. Fantastic. I love it. Well, okay. So, fake lies aside. <laughs> for now. Um, what, for now. For now. I'm sure they'll return. Uh, what's what's your deal with Holmes? Because, like, this one over here forcibly marched me <laughs> into, into the canon. And I'm very grateful he did. I'm having a lot of fun. But some people, I understand, actually come to it on their own. So what's that experience like? Well, uh, uh, I did. I had help. I had Benedict Cumberbatch to okay. bring me in. Oh, it nice. Was, ah, I see. I, I'd read some There's of the so stories many of us before. No shame in it. But mm-hmm. yeah, Study in Pink came out, and that's an amazing episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. has so many nods to the canon in it that I ended up going back and yes. reading the canon and getting sucked in a lot mm-hmm. further than I had before. Um, then there's the, there is the sense of humour that goes with it. Um, there's, uh, the whole Dorothy L. Sayers was one of the early essays I read where she explains why, uh, John's wife calls him James in one of the stories. <laughs> it's all because his middle name's actually Hamish. And that's accepted <laughs> now amongst people all over the globe. That's accepted. His middle name is Hamish. And I love mm. that sense of humour. It's so stupid. And that's, that's what really <laughs> pulled me in. And then you mm. meet... Well, I haven't actually met, but you get to know people like Brad, like you say, and Robert, who are just so funny. But, yeah, They are. They're such great dudes. And that's that's the number one thing I think we found during this experiment, is that the the Sherlockian community is just so full of great people. Yeah. And I think that really speaks, that really speaks to something about the material itself. Um, and also it, it is the small corner of the world that does appreciate the cinematic masterpiece that is Holmes and Watson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's second only to detective Pikachu. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's been in my Hulu queue for a couple of weeks, and I haven't quite worked up the nerve to hit play on that bad boy, but I think now I might have to. You could argue no. Detective Pikachu would not exist without Sherlock Holmes. It, it wouldn't. So. Oh, there's no argument necessary. Yeah. He's wearing a deerstalker! Obviously. Come on! It, it, it's the most <laughs> canonical film I've ever seen. You want a tribute <laughs> to the book Sherlock Holmes, you, you don't get better than Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. A ringing endorsement. <laughs> well, let's talk about the adventure of the Mazarin Stone, because I don't know what kind of story I thought I was going to get. but <laughs> You never do with these. <laughs> you never do. And see, that's the thing. Arthur Conan Doyle just, like, he just sat down and said, you know, it's like when a bunch of people took a group picture, and then they say, let's do a fun one. <laughs> Except there was no serious one first. <laughs> <laughs> the joke is, they're all the fun one. Yeah. 
Um, exactly. That's my secret, Cap. <laughs> I'm ridiculous all the time. <laughs> yeah, this one, I yeah, I just learned um, earlier, uh, after I read the story, I didn't know this before, um, it, it was, I was right, it is actually adapted from, it was a play first, because I was reading it and I was like, you know what, oh. this really seems like it could have been a play. Just from the way it's... It does have really stagey elements. And I looked it up, and sure enough, it was. So, um, yeah, it was actually written... uh, I think Doyle wrote it first as a stage play called The Crown Diamond. And I'm super disappointed because Hmm. originally the, um, the villain in the story was supposed to be Moran. And I was like, why would you change that? (laughs) I think think there's uh, enough elements in the story already that are ripped off from the empty house that you don't need anymore. (laughs) okay yeah that makes sense yeah because this was this felt like a sequel like directly to the empty house and it it did feel kind of like a serial numbers filed off kind of thing it Mm -hmm. it totally is yeah yeah um yeah he he needed a quick buck he rewrote (laughs) (laughs) he rewrote a play as a story as as simple as that nice and that's one of the things I admire about him is that he recognized he's one of the few one of the few authors who recognized the bastardization of his own his own property becoming a worldwide <laughs> sensation and decided to just ride the wave. Join right in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So this this uh this story. Okay. So Watson is once more rooming at Baker Street, which makes to my count Gonna have to stop you there. No, he's not. He's definitely I, he's not. not? Yeah. No, he's visiting. Yeah. What, what version are you reading? Oh, he's visiting. <laughs> I don't know. I've got like an omnibus version up here. Let me open this up. You're thinking of <laughs> Detective Pikachu. Oh, you know what? I, I, I did. I think I misinterpreted because, it, no, it, it starts off, it was pleasant to Dr. Watson to find himself once more in the untidy room of the first floor in Baker Street, rah, rah, rah. And I, I think I misinterpreted that. I think I thought yeah. that meant he had come back home. Yeah, no, he's, he's like, on a well, vacation. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's a start as you mean to go on. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the danger of me having you on. <laughs> All of the times yeah. I correct you in my car when I'm listening, you don't get interrupted. <laughs> no, I just twitch somewhere while I'm on the phone. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, the idea of you or of any of our listeners um, listening to us in the car and talking to us is just so heartwarming and wonderful Absolutely and deeply, deeply humbling. strange. Absolutely so thank you humbling. For that. <laughs> it's the nearest thing you could get to social contact. <laughs> talking to disability right, yeah. voices yeah. on your radio. <laughs> it's true. I've definitely done that. And we recommend that you, uh, that all you listeners out there do so with the week. Is it weekly? I'll never know. With the, the, the Watson show. Go listen to the Watson show. You'll find it. We'll post a link. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's an extremely smart, extremely funny show. And it really is like hanging out with a bunch of friends, giving you an update on all things Watson. So mm. go check that out. So, Watson has not moved back over to <laughs> Baker just, Street. He's just he has by. just come over for a visit. <laughs> yes. Um, and Billy the Page Boy has returned. Billy the Page Boy. Now, he only appears in three of the... St- I'm going to be incredibly tedious on Holmesy and Facts. Okay. Here. Let's do it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> he's in three stories. Right. Mazarin Stone, Thorbridge, Valley of Fear. Mm. Okay. And... This story is set 1903. All the chronologists okay. agree it's 1903. Valley of okay. Fear. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of insane I am. 
I was going to say, no, I mean, we've, we've talked about how Brad Kefauver has cobbled together a physical timeline that folds out like a Da Vinci blueprint. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I, we believe you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Get a published one. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so 1903 for this one. Valley mm. of Fear is 1887. By mm. my reckoning, Billy the Young Page Boy, he's in his late 20s at least by now. Okay. He's an eternally. It's like Greece, where they're all agreeing to pretend these people are teenagers, but Mm -hmm. we can all see John Travolta is clearly knocking on a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's like in, uh, what was it, The Blob, when they just thought that American audiences would believe that grown ass Steve McQueen (laughs) was a high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The same thing. (laughs) Well, you've got heavily bearded Billy. (laughs) <laughs> with his, his <laughs> he's got his little buttons jacket on that he can barely fit his arms mm-hmm. through anymore, and just everyone ignores it. Well, see, that's it. Yeah, he was able to return to his page boy duties because he was finally able to retire from his life of work over at the textile factory. <laughs> oh my god! Well, and this was my point was that Holmes, uh, no, that Watson comes back and says it all seems very unchanged, Billy. You don't change either. So. I think we have established that Billy, Billy is a vampire. Billy is some sort of like he's immortal spirit. Yep, he just, <laughs> exactly. He just shows up whenever he needs to serve the plot. <laughs> yes, Holmes actually encountered something supernatural at one point and just said, "No, I'll just capture it and force it to be my servant because then I just one less thing to worry about." How can I make this yeah. work for me? <laughs> exactly. So, Holmes is asleep, uh, Billy is very worried for him, uh, for Holmes grows paler and thinner, which leads credence to my Billy is a vampire theory. <laughs> Mrs. Hudson asked if Holmes, uh, was going to dine, and Holmes replied, 7.30, the day after tomorrow, uh, because he can spare, as we learned in, uh, one of the past stories, he can spare no energy for digestion. Uh, he has been out following someone all day in various disguises because he has an enormous costume budget. And if he doesn't use it up every year, he gets less <laughs> the next year. So <laughs> three in one day. Let's do it. Exactly. He's been a workman. He's been an old woman. He is trying to find out about the burglament of the Crown Diamond, which was a burglary of 300,000 Great British Pounds. Now, Paul, welcome once again to Casey's Currency Conversion Corner. And here, this is interesting because we've actually got a a tripartite problem to compute here. So 300,000 Great British Pounds, uh, 1903... Uh, you want to take a quick guess and just think, what do you think that translates to 2020? I've purposely not looked it up so that I can cheat because I knew you'd go. <laughs> so, so what was I'm it? Three hundred so thousand. Let's say one million. Fourteen million seven hundred and eighty-two thousand Great British pounds, or. Um, one, I was trying to think of a really expensive British thing and couldn't. <laughs> One picnic hamper from Marks and Spencer. No. Um, uh, I was trying to think of the last British thing I read that wasn't said in the 1800s, and I'm like, the rivers of London, they went to the thing, they went to Tesco, I don't know. <laughs> Costs roughly about the same as the Thames, right? Exactly, yeah, just, just one river, please. Yes. Uh, okay, so Nicholas... 
fourteen million seven hundred eighty-two thousand pounds, twenty twenty. What do you think that translates to dollars? Oh, um, dollars twenty twenty. Not fair. I'm too American. Um, <laughs> it's not fair. You left Britain so you wouldn't have to do this. Didn't we? Didn't we establish that it was fourteen million? Or are we isn't, doing? Isn't this what Hamilton died for? Don't make fun of me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. No, not, okay, so it's... This is not a social space to ask not to be made fun of. Um, fa- <laughs> okay, 300,000 pounds, 1903, is 14,782,000 pounds, 2020. What do you think that comes to dollars, 2020? Okay, um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Set the parameters. You're welcome. No, I just had to recalibrate. I apologize. Yeah, uh... Okay, fourteen um fourteen million British pounds. Uh I think the exchange right. rate is I think it's lower here, right? Just a bit. So uh maybe Don't say anything, Paul. <laughs> um, uh maybe fifteen million? I don't know. Fifteen million? It is – well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. Your your proportions are correct, just in the wrong way. Okay. So it is – yeah, it is in fact 18,238,000 uh, U.S. dollars. Although it occurs to me uh, that the world economy is in something of a free fall right now. So those numbers <laughs> might have been extremely temporary. That exchange that's true. rate might – yeah, that's probably not I think I think it works um, out at about – one pair of gloves and a small bottle of antibacterial yeah. gel. Yeah, yeah. In today's and an off, money. And an off-brand face mask <laughs> that has a, a convenient hole for your nose, which, yeah. <laughs> so you can breathe. Yeah, exactly. You gotta be able to breathe. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Somebody was thinking. The Prime Minister and the Home Secretary uh, have come to call, as did a Lord Cantlemere, jackass, uh, <laughs> who Holmes and Billy both hate so much, like flames on the side of their face, and the feeling is mutual. You, you can totally, as Billy introduces Lord Cantlemere, you can see the eye roll on the pair of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That, <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, this fucking guy. Uh... Let's see here. According to Billy, uh, Lord Cantomir, quote, don't believe in Mr. Holmes and was against employing him. He'd rather he failed. And Mr. Holmes knows it. Oh, Mr. Holmes always knows whatever there is to know. Which is a great line in a very silly story, and I appreciated it a lot. But yeah, Billy is essentially there to be, I don't know that comic foil is exactly the word, but he is almost over there just doing like a little dance. I, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. He almost, he almost fills the place of Watson in this story because Watson is so absent. He shows up, goes to get the police and then doesn't come back until the very end. So it's like, you got to kind of have somebody for Holmes to have any sort of back and forth off with. Of. Yeah. yeah. But Nicholas, you do bring up an excellent point, uh, that Watson is almost entirely absent from this story, and that this is one of the very few stories, and I think the first one we have encountered, that is written in the third person, uh, which, mm-hmm. well, and I mean, like, part of the Valley of Fear was written third person, I think, uh, half of Study in Scarlet, I think Escape from Mormonia was third person, yeah. um, but it does, it does bring a, a very different energy to the story, because, Without a, without a centralized perspective, the, the action and the narrative energy is a lot more free to just sort of pinball around and, oh, cousin, does it take that opportunity? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
It's, I think it's this and one other short story are like fully third person. The other one being mm. um, His Last Bow. Have you done that one yet? Because mm. I'm still catching up. We have not. you got something to look forward to there. I quite like that one because there's a car in it. So... <laughs> Very briefly, I think it's like the there's only time you see a car with a tied-up yeah. German in the back of it. What more could you want? You are, you are gonna love this story, Casey. <laughs> Should we do I'm that very instead? <laughs> we'll do that one next. That's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that. Well, that's the, that spares us choosing the episode. Okay. Well, absolutely. I mean, we'll it's do, the uh, very we'll last, last story he ever wrote. So I don't know if oh, we actually want to do it, or or was the Lion's Mane after that? No. No, it was another no. attempt to finish off Sherlock Holmes. And then you got okay. a whole load after it. Okay, yeah. When he needed Nerds. <laughs> Nerds. Doyle just had... Chronology. Doyle was really, like... He had a good thing with Holmes. He had a character that he could bring back kind of whenever he needed. <laughs> and also yeah. that he didn't care what happened to him, really. <laughs> so... <laughs> which, unfortunately, makes it really hard to follow any of the... Is Watson married in this story? We don't know. We'll never know. Who knows? Not me, <laughs> the man writing the story. <laughs> Why would I know if Watson's married? Right. That's his business. <laughs> Gosh, Doyle would have been, okay. what I wouldn't give for one conversation with Doyle, like, in, in good humors about Sherlock Holmes, because obviously I wouldn't, like, just go back in time to talk about Holmes with Conan Doyle. That would of be course. the ultimate insult. But <laughs> um, I just, he just seems like he would be absolutely hilarious to talk to. Oh yeah, mm. that video you posted of him uh, sitting in his garden with his with his wee dog. Uh, he's just sitting there, it, he looking baffled <laughs> that someone has taken his stories seriously enough to come film. Because at the time, I have to imagine setting up a movie was like you had to get special permission from a priest, and like there was probably <laughs> a whole thing. But like, I don't know. Yeah. Just he he seemed vaguely confused that anyone wanted to talk to him about his books, and uh, he did seem to think it was pretty hilarious yeah you could see what's happened in that yeah. video as well where it's like the first half is what the person filming it wants mm-hmm. tell us about right. sherlock holmes and he's like well i will but you have to listen to me talk about spirituality afterwards yep <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly what 15 solid minutes of fairies <laughs> <laughs> I want fairies, I want the hollow earth, and the mole-manic kingdoms within. I want the ley lines. And I I honestly wonder why he never combined the two. Because, like, I mean, the, the urban uh, fantasy detective story, um, you know, the, the Dresden Files and Felix Castor, John Taylor, all, the, all those good guys are a thing now. There is no reason he couldn't have done that at the time. I think people probably would have been okay with it. I would have been. Um, I'm pretty sure there are some other detective stories. Yeah. Like contemporary to Sherlock Holmes, where they sort of Mm. do that. There was like Karnacki the Ghost Finder and Mm. um, Lord... Was it Lord Dunsey? No, not Lord Dunsey. I don't know. Lord Darcy, that was it. But still, I just... I don't know. if, If I were Arthur Conan Doyle... (laughs) <laughs> and I was getting tired of my character. I would just be like, I got uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes fights uh, Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> and just see what I could get away with. Uh, but no, he left that adventure to the internet. <laughs> so. yeah. I think that's part of the reason why Sherlock Holmes fans are so laid back. Because, I mean, that Doyle was like that. He didn't take the character seriously. And I think it's so hard for... That's true. I think people who are, like, real hardcore Sherlock Holmes fans 
are the ones that, like, understand that Doyle was really just, like, having a laugh most of the time. And that's part of the enjoyment of them is, like, they are fun, really, like, in immersive detective stories that, like, get you into the story and you, like, really do care about the plot and the characters. But at the same time, it's so... There's so much humor injected in it, which you have to have mm-hmm. for murder yeah. mysteries because someone's died. Like, it's, it's, you have to balance out the right. dark with light and Doyle just does that so well. And I think that's part of why Sherlock Holmes fans are like, they're, they're some of the less abrasive fans of franchises. Yeah. Just because Holmes is so inherently kind of silly and fun and like good hearted, I guess. And it, it comes out in the fans a lot. You know, getting this far into uh, stories that don't make sense next to each other. The, the timeline doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watson's not sure where he's been shot, things like that. If you're going to get really <laughs> serious about that, you've got to uh, be a bit off-kilter yeah. yourself to start with. Yeah, and There does seem to be a very common sort of sense of humour that runs through Holmes' people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking something very silly very seriously, mm. and that seriousness being taken as part of the fun is a really common thread. There was one, uh, a, a few episodes back we did, I I forget exactly what we were talking about, but Brad wrote a uh, a blog post um, over at his uh, Sherlock Peoria blog for the Johnny's Watching Society, and I was accidentally worried, I, I was worried that we had accidentally, like, not offended, but that we had maybe, like, rankled a little bit, and so I, I think, uh, Paul, I said something to you, didn't I? I think on Twitter, I was like, hey, did we, is, is everything okay? Is, is all, is that alright? Or was it, or was I talking to Robert Parrott? It must have been Robert, yeah. Cause it wasn't. It me. must have been Robert. Okay, cause, was there drama? Was there drama in the... <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. Was there drama on Baker Street? <laughs> no, so Brad wrote something that made me worried I had rankled someone a little bit, just with something, I think, irreverent I said, and Paul, you had chimed in with Brad about something. And so I talked to Robert, and I said, hey, uh, these guys are super cool, and I don't know them super well. Like, are we? is everything okay? And, and Robert's instantaneous response was, oh no, they are 100% fucking with you, dude. It's okay. <laughs> So, and, and that has been that that has been the attitude in the fandom that I've encountered, and it's one I very much appreciate because it's 2020. We're not taking things seriously anymore. Folks. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. No, I understand there are there are homes fans out there that get a little bit precious about it all, but mm. you know, fuck right. them. Don't worry about upsetting them. <laughs> If you're if you're getting precious about your two fictional characters that you like to pretend are alive, mm-hmm. you're you're the <laughs> yeah. one with the problem. Move on. At the end of the day, it's fiction. It's it's not it's not real, guys. It's not it's not real history. It's okay. <laughs> guys Although obviously, I cool. don't actually believe that. Uh, <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle's clearly yeah. a fictional character. Watson's the real one. Oh yeah, of Just course. To make that I, I read this. Yeah, I read a seven percent solution. Yeah. I know what's up. No, clearly. <laughs> yeah, the the manuscript explanation, totally. It mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, which explains why Watson didn't know where he, where his own bullet was. <laughs> so, uh, at Watson's inquiry, um, Billy reveals that the silhouette dummy, uh, left over from the empty house because they were nearing the end of the season and they had to do a bottle episode to save budget, so they're reusing props. Uh, the silhouette dummy, <laughs> Do you know how much money that thing cost? It was a lot. 
<laughs> See, that's the thing. You gotta get some mileage out of it. Have you ever tried yeah. to have a full-size, accurate bust of your own head made? Trust me. I have not. It's I have not. I assume you have one of Jeremy Brett's over there. Extremely really expensive. <laughs> not gonna go into it, but <laughs> trust me. <laughs> No, that depends on if you want wax, if you want polymer, it's all the options. All kinds of, yeah. If you want it colored or not, it's, yeah. I <laughs> cannot imagine, I mean, no, it, it, the materials alone would be, cause I was, I'm really into like a lot of behind the scenes movie stuff and they do that quite a bit with like getting, sure. uh, makeup silicone masks made for people if you're gonna play a fish man or oh, something. Yeah. And the, I, I know I for one could never do it because the first step is to get like a mold made of your face and you have to have it completely mm-hmm. over your whole head for a couple Encasing seconds. your head, nope. And as a claustrophobic person, that would absolutely destroy me. Nope. I would not be able to do that. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> I'm like, just, just take your best Cases guess. Nope. Get several pictures of me. Although now they probably do it by like 3D mapping or something. Um. Maybe. If they want to sedate me first. Yeah, like right. if I just want to take a two-hour nap, <laughs> and you all want to make a mold of my face, like, go to town. I'll get paid for that. It's on the clock. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm actually really into that, too, is learning, like, what props have been used from one movie and into another. Like, um... One of the one of the instruments they used in, I think it was Aliens, uh, was the PKE meter from Ghostbusters, and a lot of the uh, the lab equipment from Young Frankenstein was actually from the original um, Frankenstein from like the 30s, the Hammer one. So it's it's really interesting to see like what props have a legacy because that really is the mindset. It's like, no, no, we paid for this. Yeah, we need to get as much as much mileage <laughs> as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, a, a bust of a bust of Sherlock Holmes has to have a, a pretty limited cost to use ratio (laughs) right but it's still sitting there in the window uh just like it did in the empty house which is commented upon because doyle knew the fans were gonna say something so he just beat him to the punch which was the smart move i think and billy says that that was before his time which just adds to the timeline confusion but (laughs) we're just gonna ignore that exactly which which I have to believe he was doing intentionally. Like, because at this point, there, I, uh, we looked this up at one point, but, like, there was a Sherlock society within, like, a couple of years of the first story being published. So these were being taken very seriously in their lifetimes, uh, in uh, Doyle's lifetime. Oh, yeah? So right there away, had to be... Too. Yeah, there had to be... <laughs> Yeah, there had to be someone. There had to be Victorian Brad Kefovers out there trying to cobble together timelines and saying, all right, so this happened last Tuesday. <laughs> Just getting more and more frustrated as the stories go on, as he puts up more stories, writing furious letters to Doyle, like, wait a second, you yes. said that in this story. Doyle's like, I forgot. So they are at the Windle, and uh, Watson wants to check out that dummy for reasons that we can only assume are perfectly heterosexual. <laughs> so... Watson wants to investigate, and uh, Holmes rushes out and slams the blinds, saving Billy's life and saying that uh, he, Holmes, is to be murdered tonight. Watson says, and again, I'm, I'm not allowed to do the accents anymore, so I will do the accents every time. <laughs> You've got to do the accents. They like. Why do you think people favorite. come to the show, Casey? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Watson says. Watson says. <laughs> no, no, you're joking, Holmes. And Holmes says, even my limited sense of humor could evolve a better joke than that. <laughs> Self-burn. Those are rare. So <laughs> oh, Holmes man. is German now. Yeah, we've, no. <laughs> we've got hairlock Holmes. 
So, Holmes is not eating, uh, because, quote, the faculties become more refined when you starve them. Why, surely, my dear Watson, as a doctor, you must admit that when your digestion gains in the way of blood supply is so much lost to the brain. Nope, not, not, not how, really that works, how that works, but... but doesn't work um, that for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am a brain, Watson. The rest of me is a mere appendix. Which kind of actually is how that works, but not in the way that he meant it. <laughs> Turns out your brain is part of your body, and if you don't eat and fuel the rest of your body, your brain ends up not working very well. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, it's an unfortunate, okay. unfortunate symbiotic relationship there, but... It is. Holmes would be the first person in line to get his head cryogenically frozen to live on into the... I'm pretty yes. sure that's the plot of Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But... <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, shockingly close, actually. <laughs> you have to watch that. They are yeah. much better than they deserve to be. They're, really? They are All right. so they good. They really are. They are so it. good. Yeah. The nods to canon are fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Is, that, is, that, is that a lie or is that real? Because, I mean, I'm going to watch it either way. But. <laughs> this no, it's true. true. This one's true. Okay. <laughs> this one's true. All right. This one's true. Um, or, or we're both lying. Either way, um, yeah, I watched the first half of the first episode just because it was something to have on while I was mm-hmm. doing something, and I had to stop it because I realized, no, I'm going to need to watch these. But yes, Nicholas, you are shockingly close to the oh actual premise of the, of the cartoon. I'm so excited. And it's got that great, like, late 80s, like, borderline Canadian animation style mm-hmm. where it's, like, really generic character design, but they put some weird 3D uh, imaging in there for no reason. So you've got, like, a yes. 3D cop car flying through. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so this and has is- only 26 episodes. I already like that. It came out in 1999 and ran for two yeah. years to 2001. I'm absolutely going to watch this. This is great. Okay. They're Where all I... on YouTube as well, which is really helpful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Because I, I was looking, I was like, all these prescription, all these subscription services seem British, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can. There are a lot of them. All right. So they're on YouTube. Cool. All right. Sweet. I'll come back very next episode. It'll be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we we might have to do we might have to do a special. Okay, because as we discussed in the last episode, uh when we wrap up the canon here, we're we're going to do an elementary watch through with with Liz Layton. But I think Nicholas, we might need to do a Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century burn through first. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who says it's going to be a burn? It, it might be. Oh, did you mean like we're going through it so fast, not like we're burning every episode as we as we go through it. <laughs> no, it's made, specifically of, it's made of them. futuristic materials, Nicholas. We couldn't burn it if we tried. <laughs> but no, except with lasers. If anything, uh, no, this, we'll, we'll probably if anything, this is the series we're going to take 100% seriously and not make any jokes yes. about. <laughs> now, Nicholas, I think, yeah. uh, I think a little, a little tidbit here that will entice you even more. The voice of Holmes in Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd Century is an actor named Jason Gray Stanford, who you will recognize as Randy Disher in Monk. <gasps> oh, I see him! Okay, oh my god! Yup. Yes, alright. Yup. Yep, I'm into it. I got it. I Love thought you guy. would be, buddy. He yes. was also in the thir- he was also in 13 Ghosts with Tony Shalhoub, now that I think about it. 
Um, and he was uh, the voice of Raditz in one of the dubs of Dragon Ball Z. I'm not sure which one the Ocean Group dub is, but still. Okay, <laughs> so I'm glad that Paul has gotten you on board. We're going to have to go through Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. We'll make that a, like a little mid-season palate cleanser yes. between the canon and elementary. All right, I love it. Okay, good times. You know what, Paul? Would you like to join us for that? I would <laughs> like to join you for whenever you'd have me. All right. Oh, sweet. buddy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So we're going to do Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century with Paul. Mm. And we'll do elementary with Liz. Oh, man. It's, it's too many too many podcasts in the very best way. But that's I'm the critical excited. dynamic is you have to have at least one person who's, like, at least seen the thing and can provide any yes. amount of context. It's, it really helps. I mean, I, I pretend to serve that role on this podcast, but... <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, it's fooled me it's up to this point. the longest running so. con I've ever done in my life, and it's working out great. <laughs> so Holmes is going to be murdered by Count Negretto Silvius. Once again. Um, yeah. Once, yeah, <laughs> as always. Um, Watson says he's got nowhere to be, and Holmes calls him out for a fibber. Um, which is interesting, because I had understood that Watson does not lie, or at least several of our Sherlockian friends would have us believe this. Um, but he is apparently very comfortable. Yep, yep, yep. We're being <laughs> shown a, a copy about of it. Watson. Does not lie. We can't see the author. Who's the author? Is the author you, Paul? It's me. Yeah. It's available. <laughs> it's you. It's available on Amazon in uh-huh. most countries. <laughs> it's called Watson Does Not Lie. It's by Paul Thomas okay. Miller. And it looks like an incredibly quick read. But uh, it's it is a quick read in that uh, mm-hmm. you get halfway through the first page and give in. Um, it's it's, <laughs> it's a bargain, and and there is no scientific evidence to suggest that it won't cure uh, COVID nineteen. So, well, there worth, you go. Um, it's worth a shot. It's worth a go. Could I mean, hurt. Give that a go. If that yeah. doesn't work, then you start drinking the bleach. <laughs> yes. Then you start injecting rubbing alcohol directly into your veins and also a tanning lamp if you've got it. <laughs> Watson does not lie. I'm hitting Amazon as we speak, listeners. Let's see what's available. Watson does not lie by Paul Miller. Paperback. Fourteen ninety nine. Well, yeah, that's fair. Okay. You know what? It, it's a bargain. Buy now. It what else are you going to be doing? What else are you going to be doing at home? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Well, I have ordered a copy of Watson Does Not Lie. We'll have to do a, uh, uh, what you call it, like a, a review. Yes, as long as it's not an honest one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can feel the power balance shifting in my favor for once. <laughs> okay, so, so, as an established authority, uh, because you wrote a book, so you must know what you're talking about, just like mm. our president. Mm. Um, <laughs> as an established authority on Watson's truthfulness, how do you explain Watson fibbing about his, uh, about his doctor work, uh, saying he has nothing when in fact he does have patients to see to? Explain well, yourself, sir. That is very easy to explain. Now, if you listen Go for it. carefully to what he says, it's, <laughs> that sort of explains it. Oh, well, there, yeah, no, makes perfect sense I completely sense to you. understand now. You know what? I'm satisfied. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's all there. All right. It's all on the page, so. It is right there in the text. Worthy of Webster's. We life. see, but we don't observe. All right. Yep. So, Holmes could have Count Silvius arrested at literally any moment, but, quote, We can make the world a better place by laying him by the heels, but that is not what I am out for. It is the stone I want. 
So Holmes, this is this is a weird story for a lot of reasons, but like Holmes just wants to win yeah. in this one, and he's yeah. he normally at least makes a thin pretense of wanting it to be about law and order and justice, and but he's like, no, just give me that sparkly rock, I want it. <laughs> he, he's very out of character in this story. He's properly acting the twat to everybody, you know. Mm. Um, he really is. I mean, this is right before he retired. Maybe he's just basically fed up with, uh, you know, the detective work in general. He's looking forward to that beekeeping. Could be, yeah. Could be. <laughs> gonna get his, yeah. Gonna get right. his apiary on. Yeah. The last, the last couple of weeks at a job, like when you know you're leaving, but your boss doesn't yet. Yeah. <laughs> you decide, yeah. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Fire me? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Also, uh, Sam Merton, the boxer, is involved, who is not a bad guy, uh, but is doing a piece of light hench work on mm. the side. No shame in that. We've all done it. So Holmes has been following Count Silvius all day um, in his disguises. Count Silvius even handed him his parasol when he was an old lady. And I... I think we were we were all picturing uh Robert Downey Jr. in uh Game of Shadows. I certainly was. was. <laughs> I certainly was the entire yeah. time. <laughs> that was probably in reference to this story. A nod. I mean Holmes you know, has all kinds of deci- there are quite a few references to the canon in the Robert Downey Jr. movies, surprisingly, for being yeah. so uh so different such a different genre, I wouldn't say. Not necessarily right. a bad adaptation, but um very, very all over the place, but uh, they do they do reference canon quite a bit in in a few different ways. That was probably, I mean, the disguises is, is like almost every adaptation takes a whack at that at one point or another because it's just too fun to pass up. It is, yeah. It's a very strong visual thing they can play with that also does a lot to establish character. And that that was another thing is that this. This Holmes feels a lot like, uh, like Robert Downey Jr.'s Holmes, but even more than that, he feels like Basil of Baker Street, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm. This is the live action Great Mouse Detective adaptation <laughs> we've been waiting for, which, uh, I think will, will come into play even more later. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so this Count Silvius, uh, handed him his parasol, was a real gentleman about it. We get a nice bit of the casual Italian racism. That Doyle's quite good at. Yes! <laughs> yeah, he's Italian. So, you know, he's either a gentleman or he's out to stab you. Exactly. Like all Italians are. Exactly. There's, yeah, they're either nobility or Beppo's. <laughs> <laughs> some, of, some of Doyle's ideas of what different countries are like, they're just bizarre. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, his ideas about America are perfectly accurate. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that one he did exactly. now. <laughs> yeah. You're all from Chicago, and you're all criminals. Yep. <laughs> there's, no, there's no disputing it. It's true. And we were all raised in gold mining camps. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course I nearly forgot. Uh, <laughs> natural. Well, see, when you grow up, you move from the camp to Chicago, and then it, yeah, it all flows together. There's a natural, there's an American life cycle that ends with your president killing you. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. <laughs> Holmes. Holmes has been How dare you make the Soviet. funniest joke on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> That's the guest job. I didn't. You know, you're right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think, 
Uh, I think we're I think we're gonna be blindsided at some point. I, I'm 100 percent certain that Paul has already said something that we just didn't catch because we believed him. <laughs> and later in the editing process, I should, I should totally be doing that. Yeah, I'll get on it now. <laughs> Dropping Easter eggs throughout. Like this will be fun for Casey to realize later, mid editing. <laughs> like. There's a pattern like every fourth word of every third sentence is secretly the the lyric to like a a body drinking hall rap. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's never gonna give you up by Rick Astley, but yeah, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Well, I that it would add up. <laughs> so <laughs> Holmes trailed Count Sylvius to the workshop of Straubenzi, uh, an, a workshop man who made the air gun. And see, here's the thing. Uh, the the air gun, which Holmes reckons is in the uh, opposite window, presently being pointed at them. By whom? Never comes up. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But like the he just he just tosses off the air gun as if he has forgotten that he changed the character not to be Colonel Moran anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very Literally, like he copied he's and gone pasted through the, the script. <laughs> yeah, he's gone through the script, just crossing out. Colonel Sebastian <laughs> yeah. Moran uh, writing, uh, what's it? What's his name? Count Count Silver Fox, uh, over and over. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Control F that bad boy. It's it's very on brand, mm-hmm. if nothing else. Uh, so Billy reappears. Um, Count Silver Fox himself is in the waiting room, and Billy is to show him in when Holmes rings for him to do so, even if Holmes isn't in the room. And at this point, I wrote down my notes. Is Holmes the Jack Sparrow of his day? Discuss. What do you mean? I mean, he's, especially in this story, he's silly and flamboyant. And uh, I could just picture Jack Sparrow hiding behind a curtain and thinking it would work. And I don't know. It was very late. Leave me alone. I think the the biggest difference is that everything works out for Jack Sparrow by pure luck. And everything works out That's for Holmes true. because he has the entire script written before the play even begins and in his head. And it's just, he's just That's waiting for it to play out in front of him. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, also luck. And also opposites. an extreme amount of luck <laughs> for Holmes. Yeah. I think I, I think I just wanted to mention Jack Sparrow because I, I thought something resembled it and I thought that'll make Nicholas happy and he'll go on a 10 minute jag about, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean during which I can fix myself a drink. <laughs> but that's not how it worked you out. You forgot a critical so... element that we are recording at 10 a.m. and not <laughs> 10 p.m. Huge, that's totally true. different Nicholas, actually. That's fair. There's <laughs> two different dudes. But they all love home, so it's fine. <laughs> Holmes. Yeah sends Watson to Scotland Yard uh, with a note to bring the police back. Um, I think mostly just to get Watson out of the way, because Doyle had realized at this point that he wasn't really serving any purpose in the story. <laughs> he, he totally says that to him, though, doesn't he? You know, Watson's like, oh, no, I can't leave you, you're going to get into trouble. And Holmes pretty much just says, no, you're in the way, fuck off. Which is really... <laughs> Again, it's really out of character for him. Mm-hmm. He's normally so respectful of Watson. This one, nah. 
Nah. No. Mm-hmm. Or, at le- or at least in that, like, that, like, friend mean kind of way that they sometimes mm. have. Yeah. Like that, you, you know, where I can talk to him like that. He's my Watson. I may smooch upon him, depending <laughs> on who you talk to. But, uh, yeah, it really is just really blatant. Also, a thing that bothers me a lot, and I'm sure this is just a personal thing, Holmes is always writing shit in his notebook and then tearing the page out. Don't do that. You're going to throw your page count off, Holmes. You're gonna destroy the whole book. I'm They're just, all gonna, all the pages are gonna get loose eventually. I'm just he also, saying. He, I like the Holmes that writes notes on his uh, shirt cuff to remind himself of things because that's very much like if he doesn't have paper nearby, he'll like just pull up his jacket and write a note on his on his yep. cuff. And I wish we had shirts like that still because I would be doing that all the time. I don't want to carry around a notebook every day. That's too yeah. much. Where where did I put it? I don't know. I like I lose my keys half the time. <laughs> I get it. It's great. You got a lot going on in your mind. Just do what the rest of us do. Just carry your normal notebook with all of your stuff and then carry a second smaller notebook <laughs> in your back pocket that you can tear notes out of if you need to. It's not hard. Ah, yes. All of us. All of us Casey's out here be doing that. <laughs> look. Look. As we have established, my experience is universal, okay? <laughs> so, Watson exits. Um, and I've, I've, so I've does got Holmes, to, actually. No. I've got to do this. Tell me. The policeman. The policeman that he's sent to get. Have you seen his name? No, what's his name? Have have a look. I want you to see it written. I'm gonna have a look. I'm gonna I'm gonna zoop through the old uh, the old on my Kindle, what's it here? It's the it's the policeman from the CID. Let's see, another day or two. Uh, Sam Burton the boxer. Uh, grasp the nettle, Watson. Uh, let's see here. Robinsy insist upon staying with you. Okay, take a cab to Scott. No, sorry, <clears throat> let me get the the voice filter in place. Yeah, there, there we go. Okay, take a cab to Scotland Yard and give this to Yugal of the CID. <laughs> Come back with the police. The fellow's arrest will follow. Yugal. No, I remember seeing no, that. No, no, no. And <laughs> this is what I love. No. We did this thing in England where uh, okay, you guys declared independence. So we Son decided. Of a bitch. I knew this was going to come up. Right, we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna fuck with you guys, and we went through all of our names and made them not make any sense at all, just so that we could point at you and laugh behind your backs when you try and say them. I want to hear Nick. Nick, how do you think this policeman's name is said? Okay, so it might not be Yugal. Maybe <laughs> Yog. You. You. Oh, I gotta look at it. Yop, it yopple. I, so are you joking? Is... <laughs> I am, yeah, actually, on this word. Uh, <laughs> it could be yawful. It could be youful. Uh, I'm not as linguistic. I'm not as it's linguistic o- as Casey. So. It's obvious when you know. Of course, it is pronounced yawl. Yawl. Oh, you just yol. take out half oh, the letters. Okay. Of course, it is. Yeah, <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Makes perfect sense. Naturally. I think Yol. I think actually that's that's an Irish one, and and they played the same prank on us. Okay, uh, <laughs> I feel a little better Aww, now. Family tradition. <laughs> yeah. yeah like oh, okay. Hang on. Oh, well, we're on this subject. I've I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I I want to know. I'm I'm sending you the name of a place. Oh and no! I want, <laughs> I want oh, no. to know. Have I not been embarrassed enough? How you enough? think that's pr- pronounced? Okay. okay. I know Nicholas, you go first this time. I know burrow. That's half of the word. Um I don't I know it's not Lugborough, because that would be too funny. 
<laughs> I love that uh, all of your English listeners right now know what you're trying to say. <laughs> this is one of our favourites to have you Americans say. I would like to reiterate once again that I am from California, which of the United States is probably the worst uh, speakers in the entire country. Um, right. Lowborough. Lowborough. Final guess. Final guess, Alex. 500. Okay. Low... Lober, okay, Lobero. You've got okay. Nicholas is on. Yeah. Nicholas, Nicholas is Nicholas. Nicholas has Lobero. <laughs> we all forgot how to speak right now. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna try. All right, let's see here. I believe in you. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say Laubra. I mean, you're not you're not too bad. I've heard this pronounced Luga Baruga before. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you mean Lopra. that's not it? <laughs> it's Luffbra. New cat name. Luff, Luff Luffbra. You, you see every letter after the L there. Ignore yeah. them. It's it's <laughs> gotcha. Okay. It's just the first and the last letter. Okay. <laughs> that that rules off the tongue much better. That makes sense. Luffbra. Luffbra. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. I don't know where the F comes from, but Luffbra. I'm making this a regular feat. If you have me back, there's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be half an hour. Oh, absolutely. Next time. There's gotta be some really weird name of like a US city that's I don't know. Do we have anything like that? We got we got Mississippi, but everyone knows Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Um I was just thinking that there's there's a city in North Carolina that I have to talk about uh in work all the time called Fayetteville. Um, Marquis de Lafayette, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, but they, uh, because the air pressure down there is greater, uh, because they're closer to the bottom of the planet, it makes it <laughs> difficult for them to lift their tongues when they speak. So they end up saying it, they end up saying it, it's Fervil. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over here in Fervil, Carolina. That's how I feel about French as a whole language. It's just... <laughs> Why would you have that many letters in your alphabet if you're only going to use two of them? <laughs> I took I took one French class, <laughs> and I and I learned. I took one French class. That's my. Was that with Mrs. Mack? No, I went to College of the Canyons. No, different college. Oh, that, yeah. I thought you meant a Desert Christian. No, uh, Paul, no, I was really I excited for I a didn't moment learn because in Desert Christian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at, uh, at, at the school we went to, our French teacher was from Texas. That, so yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> you know. You can imagine. Bonjour, y'all. <laughs> what's the language, Whoa. what's the uh, other, what's the second and third language learning like in England? I, I feel like you, I feel like you learn more languages in school, just like, is, is the other, is the foreign language, oh, are the no. foreign language classes much, much no, different? But between England and America, we've been like the dominant empires in the world for so long. We don't need to learn any other language. Uh, we're why, just why as we lazy here. It's <laughs> All terrible. right, okay, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, we do, we do exactly the same thing as you guys do. Uh, walk into your hotel that you've booked in lovely Italy and say, <laughs> yeah, do you speak English? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh no. no people come here with terrible. their perfectly respectable, understandable, logical languages and we're like, no no no. No, forget that. You're gonna speak our language, which makes no sense. <laughs> None at all. You're gonna learn it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. English English is deeply broken and we're we're not letting go of it. I mean German German had a language wide spelling reform. Um in I wanna say the 
70s? I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, where they just forcibly, like, they put leg braces, they put, like, <laughs> posture correction mechanics on, on the entire language's spelling, and that's why German works now. You, you can just know how they a just word fixed is spelled. It. Like a if, you, if you know the rules. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they just fixed it in the way, in the way that we will never ever do, because we tried the metric system experiment where they were like, look, all you have to know is tens. It's not hard. <laughs> and we said, no, no. <laughs> that sounds like communism, sir. <laughs> Blows from our mind. All, all of the things from England you get rid of, you decide that's the one you're going to keep. <laughs> the, one, the one that even we can't be doing with. <laughs> no, we kept we kept the racism and the xenophobia and the obsession, the obsession with erasing the culinary identity of every culture we come in contact with. Everything else we just swatted off the table like a cat. Metric system, no way. Get that out of my face. No, thank you. I don't want to understand things. Get out of here. No, sir. <laughs> also, kebabs. No. Off. Oh, out. Um, uh, God. Luffbra. Sure. <laughs> we are so, one second into this story. <laughs> we uh, really are. Well, see, here's the thing. This this story goes set up, set up, set up, spaghetti explosion. So we're going to get to a yes. point where the story <laughs> itself is just going to fall apart. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Um, I did listen a little while ago to a very excellent episode of the podcast Omnibus, uh, which I talk about a lot with John Roderick and Ken Jennings, uh, mm-hmm. the guy who won Jeopardy 74 times, where they talked about um, the origins of the letter J, which uh, are surprisingly interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, there's, there's no way for me to talk about them talking about this to make it sound interesting, but I recommend it. I'm gonna, I'll post a, I'll post a link in the show notes. But basically, there, there was a point when what we think of as Western civilization, you know, European essentially, um, began to come in contact with Eastern, um, you know, Slavic languages and non, non-romance languages, and they needed new letters. They're like, we hear the sounds they're making, like Azure, Azerbaijan. How the hell do I write that down? Mm-hmm. So they, they essentially, they had to import J from other languages. And, uh, it's a really interesting look at how sounds right. were made before. Yeah. I'll post a link. It's interesting. So. Yes, back to the Luffborough Strangler. You thought we were here to talk uh, about Sherlock my... Holmes. Nope, Casey just wanted to talk about languages. No. <laughs> we got you. Yeah, I... <laughs> look, see, here's, here's the thing. In any conversation that you and I are in, you will steer it towards Holmes, and I will steer it towards language. So, like, if we just keep that balance... Tug of War is the only way to run a podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason, yeah, we can make it work because we have this eternal tug of war, but we can't afford it. That's how we do it in America. So, that's how we do it in the. Yeah. That's how we do it in the states. <laughs> Stateside. Uh, okay, so um, Watson exits and Billy ushers in uh, Count Firefox. He <laughs> is the only ugly man, and he immediately. Like, no hesitation. <laughs> as soon as Billy shows him in, he just lunges for to murderate the Holmes dummy in the window. Yep. And Holmes emerges, catching him off guard and then saying, aha, you're a murder man. He just plays the warm, welcoming host, which is my favorite Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, your visit is really most opportune, for I wanted badly to have a few minutes chat with you. Oh, I too wish to have some words with you, Holmes. This is why I'm here. I I won't deny that I intended to assault you just now. Oh, I has a gathered that that you had some idea of that sort in your hands, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The world's greatest detective. Take a bow. 
<laughs> but so good. I I love that exchange so much because Holmes is like, "Hi, how are you? I'm good. You know, I, I was I, I was I was about to attack you. Oh, you were about you were about to to bash my noggin in, which I was. Yeah, just a bit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so good. Um, but he insists on some formality. He insists that he be Mister Holmes and Count Sylvius be Count Sylvius. And a body meets the body coming through the rye. So he had spotted Holmes in his many guises, but assumed that they were merely his agents. And Holmes, rather than letting this murder man <laughs> assume that he does have an extensive network of agents out there doing his reconnoitering and 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 surveilling for him, says, No, no, son, those was me. No, uh-uh. No, this boy in disguise. <laughs> right here. <laughs> and... And it's honestly, it's another way that this story is kind of a sequel to The Empty House because there was that bit where Colonel Moran, that was Colonel Moran in The Empty House, right? Who was yeah. in the window with the mm-hmm. air with the air rifle? Yep. Yeah. That was him. Where he catches him and he's like, no, no, see, get it? You're the tiger hunter. And I, t- I caught you like a tiger. You see? <laughs> Do you get it? I'm the, let me paint stripes on you. It'll help you understand. Just, he has to make sure. That the guy knows how good he was gotten. For someone who pretends that he doesn't care about any acclaim or acknowledgement of his of oh, his God. detective doings, he really does. That is the biggest lie in the he whole canon. He cares so, so much. He needs much. people to understand exactly how smart he is. It's great. <laughs> One of the things that I thought uh, BBC Sherlock did pretty well was Holmes's relationship with his phone. That motherfucker would be on that thing 24-7, and I think we all know it. And he would have, like, alt-Twitter accounts who, like, he would post something from his main one, and his alt would be like, I really agree. I think this guy <laughs> needs to be getting more acclaim out there. <laughs> all you guys, <laughs> you'd be retweeting him saying, honestly, same. And you just, just <laughs> all of it. <laughs> <laughs> see, see the common thing. The common thing for uh, that people have said is that the text messages on the phone is just like um, Sherlock sending his telegram. Mm-hmm. And see, now you've sure. made me by double backing on that one picture home sending off a telegram then following it up with one from someone else. Yeah, you should listen to Holmes. Yeah, yeah, he's got that right. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, at first, at first, I thought he was wrong, but I thought about it, and he's a genius, actually. Yeah, you should listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. At first, I disagreed, but then he personally insulted me, and that changed my mind on the topic. <laughs> at first, I disagreed, but then he showed me a photoshopped meme. <laughs> <laughs> of the president standing on the Bible. <laughs> so, someone else tell us what happens next, because I've talked enough for right now. Um, Paul, you got this. You get that really nice bit where Holmes pulls out his notebook and says, you know what I've got in here? And Sylvia says, oh, what? I've got you in here. <laughs> ah! <Yeah. laughs> Do you see? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I got you in here. No, you haven't. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm not in that book. Oh, I'm a good deal bigger than that. No, I couldn't fit. I couldn't fit in there unless you folded me up very small. <laughs> oh, man. You can only fold a count seven times, you know. <laughs> you can fold them eight times. They would reach the moon. <laughs> 
yes. The moon? What? Okay, so we... <laughs> yeah, you know, reach the moon. So... <laughs> <laughs> So he does. He has a book containing, uh, quote, every action of your, vi- oh, sorry, sorry, let me put the filter back on. <clears throat> there I go. Every action of your vile and dangerous life, the death of old Mrs. Harold, the history of Miss Vinnie Varena, the robbery of the train deluxe, the forged check in the same year on the credit Lyonnaise. No, no, you're wrong there. That I am right on the others. And that just keeps going. <laughs> After that. Exactly. Just like, no, you're wrong there. Aha, but fuck you. And also, <laughs> just like there's no... I would, have, I, I would not have been able so to let... Bad. I don't know about Holmes. I would not have been able to let that go. Like, I was... Wait, hold on. Wait, what was I wrong about? Exactly. Just tell me real quick and then I'll keep going. <laughs> exactly. No, I wasn't. So... Okay, and here here is the points where 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 my notes devolved into total spaghetti. So I am going to hand uh, the podcast reins over to uh, whoever would like to take them. Here, I'll just take off the harness and the uh, yeah. Here you go. If you wanna, <laughs> Nicholas. Here, I'll just I'll put the I'll put the reins in your hands. I'll uh, put the foot bath down here in the foot well for you. Let me fill that up with fresh orange juice and turn on the carbonation feature. And I forget, do you do you like a ferret around your neck? Do you like a ferret or a meerkat? Ferret, definitely. A little softer. Ferret? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll wrap this little buddy around your neck there. Keep your collarbone nice and warm. Okay, go. Oh, my God. All right, so um, from, yeah, from this, up to this point, it's, they, they've, Encounter each other, they're the pointing Spider-Man meme. Alright, I've got you, I've got you. Holmes is clearly... <laughs> Holmes is clearly... Uh, feels as if he's in control of the situation and is right. saying so. Um, yeah, Count Silvius even is like... Uh, he, he calls him Holmes at one point and Holmes insists on being called Mr. Holmes. Uh, they're... They have, a, they have a pretty good conversation about... Um, let me see. I love this. Uh, there's a line where Holmes is like, come now, Count, you used to shoot lions in Algeria, which again, <laughs> cross out lions, put tigers, cross out Algeria, but... Yup! <laughs> so good. Um, Crossed out India. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely not Moran. I've got... You. Okay, so... Absolutely um, <laughs> not. So, Holmes basically says, look, I don't know why you're trying to, to get out of this. I know you've got the stone. I know everything about everything going on with you except where the stone is and surprisingly that's all i care about i don't actually care about catching you because you're not moran if you were moran i'd definitely care and want you arrested but i'm gonna offer you um if you just tell me where the stone is you won't even go to jail i'll just i'll just let you go i just want the stone to return it that's that's all i'm here for i'm doing a job and Again, uh, that's how I'm known to operate. I totally let bad guys get away with stuff. I don't set up elaborate, elaborate traps that trigger once they think they're safe at all. <laughs> um, and he he decide he says, uh, "Look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into the other room. Wait, do they call up the uh, the boxer guy first? There's a, there's also the they do. They let him in first. Yeah. When when does he yeah. get introduced? So they they bring uh, Sam Merton in, and Holmes says, "Okay." I'm gonna let you cats talk about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into yonder room for just a minute. You two can talk about it amongst yourselves. Um, and you want to give me the stone? Tell me where the stone is, and both of you can go on your merry way on to you know crime your crimes and uh, have your times. 
So I'm going to go in there again. I just want to make sure you gentlemen understand. I am going to be in that room. There. You are staying in this room. And in both of those two rooms shall we be. Okay. Watch me now. I'm going into this room. <laughs> so he goes into that room. I'm getting my and, violin. Uh, I'm picking up my to... violin. I'm going into my room with it. Exactly. And you will hear violin this music. This is the violin. The room. That is me playing it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to take this violin into that room. So when you hear violin music coming from that room, that'll be me in that room playing the violin in that room. You see? Ah, gentlemen. <laughs> so yeah. he does so. And the two of them, let me see here. Paul, what, what do the two of them come to between us? They have, they have a, uh, they have what I believe is known as a crimesman susurrus and, uh, <laughs> see if they want to take Holmes up on his offer or not, don't yeah. they? The, the idea is that uh, Silver Fox is explaining to Merton the deal that Holmes has put forward, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to decide between them what they're going to do. So they have a nice conversation about it, and we get to hear what their plans are. Ike Sanders' split on them is the big revelation. Ike Sanders... Mm-hmm. Right. Sounds like he's a fence that they were trying to use... And he's right. The, he, the, and they were they were actually going to split the diamond. I believe they were going to uh, break it and distribute the pieces. And, and they're still planning to do that, but with a different guy, Van Cedar. Right. But they can't do it just yet because his false bottom isn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holmes caught him at a bad time in the in the crime in progress. If you're sailing all the way to Amsterdam, you need to be able to sit down at least part of the way. <laughs> the keister preparations are still underway yes should should we mention the second exit that's only in this story and none of the other stories although it should be in every story because it's like such an interesting concept and also i'm not sure how it works i have i've seen blueprints of baker street of 221b and <laughs> I'm looking, I was looking at them trying to figure out how the second exit was worth. The only, the only way I could, I could picture it was there has to be like entering in through a window at some point. I don't know. Does it go behind the fireplace? I, it's, it's a bow window as well that was never there before. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. They've basically rewritten Baker Street. It's, it, yeah. It's a yeah. very confusing one. I think. I think what we can safely assume is that this was not actually Baker Street, but an elaborate set constructed by Holmes specifically <laughs> for the purpose of of capturing these crimesmen. Uh, maybe Baker Street was being fumigated or or, or something. But <laughs> that yeah. has to be it. That has to be it. Nicholas, I are are you the kind of Star Trek fan who looks at like blueprints of the original Enterprise and tries to figure out how all not of the at rooms all. we've seen? Never, I've never done that no? once. It definitely wasn't my computer background for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, but where, but where are every, where are everyone's quarters exactly? When they say I'm going to my quarters, I want to know where that is. (laughs) How do you fit, how do you fit the, um, (laughs) the bar? How do you fit Guinan's bar onto, (laughs) where is it (laughs) exactly? Yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. I love trying to figure out sets that aren't actually a complete set and just, figuring out the pieces in between together it's great it's a good time exactly and that's that's why when they did deep space nine they actually built the station they just built the whole station they were like you know what nicholas will get such a kick out of this (laughs) just built the whole promenade yeah yeah 
Ah, uh, go on down to Quarks. <laughs> run to Quarks. Quarks is fun. Let's go now. Don't walk. Run. <laughs> so, uh... They're talking between them uh, about whether or not to take Holmes up on his offer. The general consensus is, uh, nah, screw that. It's it's a crimesman's life for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're worried, reasonably so, about um, talking about it. The boxer is actually the smart one. And that's interesting, because the boxer, um, the gentleman whose name escapes me, Sam Merton. Sam Merton. Um, he's <laughs> implied, Sam Merton, he's implied to be little more than dumb muscle. Like, he's, like... He punches for his job. That's what he does. He even says it himself at one point, doesn't he? Oh well, if we if we can't if we can't just beat him up, it's down to you. I've, I've got no other thoughts. <laughs> exactly. I, I do a thumb. I do a thumb or nothing. <laughs> there are two kinds of things in the world. It's like Sam Merton is like a drummer who only looks at a thing and sees whether or not he can drum on it, but it's a punching. <laughs> You need a guy like that on the team. You're either you're either brains or brawn. You can't be both. We've that's how no, it works. There in is literature. no such trope. That's that's the two of them together. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, when all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, especially if both of the hammers are at the ends of your wrists. So the, here's the here's the thing. Uh Merton, the self self professed um punchy McHuge over there, is the one who says Hey, wait a minute. Should we really be talking about this right next to the the room with the guy who's trying to arrest us? And uh and Silver Fox says, "Now, how can he be listening? He's playing music." Oh, that's right. My <laughs> concerns are completely addressed. <laughs> um, and, and and at that point, uh he actually looks over and he sees the mannequin, the uh the Holmes the Holmes dummy sitting in the window. And and panics for a second, and Silver Fox says, "Ah, don't worry about it. It's only a mannequin. Yeah, it must have yeah. been something in the street. <laughs> We're only discussing grand larceny. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's probably fine. We won't. Bother. Haven't don't been worry invented about yet. It. Listening devices haven't been invented yet. We're good. There's no way. <laughs> no, there's not a there's not a page boy who could be hiding anywhere in the room <laughs> because he never. I don't believe was said to have exited the room, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I think they also hear, they hear like a noise or something by the window that tips them off and just immediately as like in every ghost story where it's, oh, it's just the wind. Oh, it's just something outside. Keep talking. <laughs> no, it's probably fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a suspicious noise that occurred right as we were discussing crime. I'm sure it's not relevant to us and our doings. I would um, honestly really love to see how this, uh, I, I feel like the actor playing Holmes in this play, I'd be interested to see how it like actually, how they actually did it. If it was just the, the chair was close to the curtain and he was able to crawl across the floor. Cause I've done a little bit of community theater yeah. and sometimes you have to play tricks. Sometimes no. you have to get somebody on stage without any of the audience seeing them. And that can be hard yeah. <laughs> sometimes. So yeah. I wish if I could time travel, I would absolutely see this show because I think that would be amazing. I have seen a version of the Crown Diamond, and I've got to say, as a player, oh, yeah? this works a hell of a lot better. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a much better story. Um, it's a all female cast, so it's a female Sherlock, female Billy. But they basically got to that bit: the how are we going to swap a mannequin? Just bottled it completely. Let's hide the mannequin behind this curtain and come back to it later. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. It was fantastic, but the space, the budget that they had to work with, there was no way they were going to be able to actually do the switch. 
Yeah. Right. Sometimes you gotta work with what you got. That production sounds amazing, though. I absolutely want to watch it. Is there a recorded version of it anywhere, or did you see there it live? No, and it, it was a it was a one-off, but I really hope they do it again. Oh, oh I, man, I, yeah. I'm lucky. I live, I live in Portsmouth, which is mm-hmm. where Holmes was essentially born. Uh, Doyle wrote the first story here. So we've got a fairly good... Sherlockian heritage that the city like to make the most of and they put on these things every now and again sort of celebrate the collection that we've got down at the library uh, oh man I'm so jealous that's awesome it it was fantastic how cool I really want to visit if I'm ever able to like visit England one day this sounds like a total tourist thing to say but I would just want to like check out all the Sherlock Holmes stuff the museum and everything i know it's oh, like yeah. a big tourist trap and all that we'll but do I don't it together care. yeah oh right, no, no 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 uh yeah yeah don't judge uh english museums <laughs> no i absolutely big tourist trap mm, yeah that is no, fantastic I yeah <laughs> i gotta i gotta go there just to say i've gone there because otherwise people will be like well why didn't you go to baker street <laughs> I, it's fine. <laughs> absolutely, we'll do the Portsmouth tour together. Uh, you, you can come here. We'll do. Uh, All right. I don't know fetishizing Sherlock Holmes together. We'll do that. <laughs> Sounds great. Aww. All right. Why else oh, would you, you want to go to England? Come right? to. What else do they have there? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'll, absolutely. <laughs> well, our masks. It'll be fine. So, Paul, what's what's the what is is there a difference between because like american sherlock holmes fans tend to be sherlock holmes fans <laughs> like they tend to be uh nicholas level or or thereabouts but uh like is it is it part of the british national i mean being being from portsmouth which i imagine is spelled the same as miami um <laughs> it, what's the is it like you don't pronounce the X's. I, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah, you know, just leave out all the L's. Um, is there? It's from when it, when it was from Wales. Um, no, I took the joke too far and it fell on its face. Uh, is is there a different like social perception of of? Is it like are, are Americans who are super into Sherlock Holmes? Is it is it like for a Japanese person who sees an American who's way super into anime and it's like this fucking guy? <laughs> or is it a different? No, it's uh. I think what I Casey think... is asking is, are British people who are into Sherlock Holmes as regarded as nerdy as American people who are into Sherlock Holmes, or is it more accepted? Yeah, yeah still. Same yeah, level. yeah, we're, okay. we're yeah. big, big nerds over here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Fantastic, and, and as well it should be. It, it seems to be a real big leveler as well. Everyone that I speak to from other countries, it's, it's it, very much the same attitude, the same sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even Aww. similarities in uh, being prone to being insane in some way. Uh, <laughs> sure, it's uh, you know, it's, it's either uh, depression, anxiety, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. just, you know, which is me as well. Uh, yeah, we see homes and we're like, you know yeah, what? Same, relate. Same, yeah, and, and it seems to work globally as well. You know, you you look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, fans all over the world there's, there's this similarity there's a sort of uh from what i've encountered there seems to be an awful lot of liberal uh homeesians as well mm-hmm. that seems yeah. to be the default setting yeah so That's we've co- noticed that beautiful. not a not a lot of conservative people here for the the detective which is which is i don't know that it's odd but that is interesting that it's it's like um 
it speaks to something, but like it attracts a type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it speaks to something common to people. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. That's awesome. So, uh, they're discussing whether or not they're going to be able to pull this off, and <laughs> and Silver Fox <laughs> reveals mm-hmm. that he's had the stone in his pocket the entire time, <laughs> like Bilbo Baggins before him. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? But he's not happy with um, that. He's not happy with that. If he's going to get the gem out and show it to Sam Merton, let's step over by yeah. this window where the mannequin is. Yeah, got to get the light. So we can look <laughs> yeah, at it properly. <laughs> no, there's no just carefully like pulling it half out of the pocket. Here you go. See, I got it. I got it. All right, I'm putting it back now. No way. I'm going to whip this thing no. out, hold it up to the light, nice and far, stretch my arm out. See it? See it? Yeah, that's it's great. And yeah, Holmes just reaches up and just yoink all right mine my stone now and he had at some point switched himself out with his own bust which i imagine must have been some incredible indiana jones work of just like yeah timing and i suppose incredible. you i suppose you could do this in real life um i i don't know it seems like that Holmes I, I, I mean, <laughs> Holmes could, yes. yeah. If you had a very high dexterity score, and <laughs> like you had, you had two criminals who were very distracted and looking the other way. Like I, I maybe, sure, mm. I don't know, but uh, he really does. He just goes mannequins to meet you, and then just yoinks it, <laughs> and and the whole. The whole jig is up, and the bowl of spaghetti just just hits the fan, and it all it all dissolves from there, mm. uh, and it's it's jail forever after, and it really is just an exercise in talking about uh, how how clever Holmes was to have done this, and yes, how improbable the architecture involved was. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, yeah. And and Sam, to his credit, is the only intelligent one here, uh, who then yep. comes out with a. <laughs> Book near the violin. <laughs> yeah, like, but wait. What about the violin? Uh huh. <laughs> I don't think you're really here, sir. <laughs> Riddle me this. Phantasm. I wonder how new the grammar. So you're telling me you've got a secret passage. You can move things with no one seeing, like with the power of your mind or something. And you can play the violin sure. in another room. No. You're not here. <laughs> no. No. A step too far, sir. And, of course, uh, it turns out that it was, in fact, a recording on the gramophone, um, which, Nicholas, I believe you were about to say something about that, weren't you? Oh, I'm just wondering when it was invented, like, how new it was when this story, like, oh. to work as a Let's gimmick. find out. Um, 1877. Well, there, gramopho- uh, there were gramophones, or things that we'd call gramophones, about before, sure. but the gramophone company uh, was founded in 1898. So okay. this has right. been about for about five years. But um, mm-hmm. Gramophone it was a brand name as well. So oh, okay. It got used to mean all phonographs. It became a, a generic trademark. Yeah. Right, like oh, gotcha. uh, Xerox or, or Whiteout or, yeah. Yeah, or Hoover. How neat. Hoover, right. yep. Don't know what that yep. is. I'm from America. <laughs> oh, we yeah, don't vacuum okay. here. Over <laughs> we here. don't clean our floors. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're camps they're camps of homeless people driven uh driven from their cities by economic depression. I always, I always yeah, thought it yeah, was that's what it I means. always thought it was I always thought it was somebody yeah, who yeah, uh, took care of horses' feet, but <laughs> 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 Alright. <laughs> I love you, Nicholas. Uh 
So all that yes. on one cup of coffee. Uh, and yeah, well, <laughs> see, that's the thing, man. You have to be nerfed. You're you're almost too powerful. <laughs> So that's honestly about the end of it. There's only one bit left, and that bit is uh, Lord Cantlemere showing up, <laughs> presuming failure on Holmes's part. I could see you champing at the bit, Paul. What's it's, going on? it's another bit that makes no sense at all. So he's gone, oh yeah, that's a gramophone. Import the police. It's described as them just coming in, overwhelming them, sure. taking them out again. Immediately, Lord Cantlemere comes in and says, so you had any joy? It's like did he not, did you not see the? Did you not see on the, the stairs? Yeah. You were just <laughs> okay, okay. No, I haven't. No, he goes. Thought it was, <laughs> thought it was a different crime. I don't know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the, the description this guy gets—he's a thin, austere figure, so German, with a hatchet face. That was an Austria joke that I regretted as soon as I made it. A thin, austere <laughs> face with a hatchet with a hatchet face. Uh, when drooping mid-Victorian whiskers of glossy blackness, which hardly corresponded with the rounded shoulders and feeble gait, I have never looked at a man and said his mustache, his mustache, mm. his mustache does not match his shoulders. Yeah, I, I don't know. Fashion this in Victorian something. era was very strange. <laughs> in in no. England, we do this all the time: mustaches and shoulders. Yeah. They go. Well, not hand in hand, because that would be really <laughs> difficult to do. But, um, yeah, no, that's what we're talking about all the time. Uh, we've got three main topics of conversation. It's it's the weather, shoulders, moustache. That's it. There you go. And, well, and of course, how the weather interacts with the moustache, I imagine it determines what grade of wax you'll need that day. Oh my god, you would go down a storm at a dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> they would love you in England, Casey. <laughs> Fit right in it. Fit right I'm in just here to talk about stash wax. <laughs> well, you see, honestly, it's what it is. Well, I, being being spokesman as I have for old Triple Granddad's patented soothing crab wax for all these years, I've become accustomed to the ways of waterproofing and how you know various lipidinous waxes interact with crab carapaces, with uh, mustaches of the face, with human skin. It always comes back to crab. <laughs> So, yes, uh, Cantlemere arrives, and Holmes is doing his damnedest to set the scene for maximum I told you so, and it's it's just not working. He's like, oh, won't you sit down? Allow me to take off your coat. Uh, no, thank you. I, I don't think I'll take it off. Oh, no, <laughs> it's lost me. You want to take off your coat. It's lost me. You're, you're going to want to do this. But even then, no, he just, he, he absolutely refuses and, uh, is there, and he says it outright. I've, that he's there to see just how badly Holmes has failed. I don't uh, understand why Hol- this guy wants Holmes to fail. It's like, don't you, didn't you hire, like, aren't you involved? Don't you want the stone back at least? Like, the pettiness, the you amount of pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> the, the clue in this one is in, in is in that title, Lord. That's what it's about yeah. over here. Oh, Holmes is a commoner. Okay. Lord Cantlemere isn't. You're beneath me. Why should you be solving my problem? Gotcha. I yeah, see. that's a that's a common um, theme with the nobility in these stories is that you get occasionally you'll get a chill noble person that Holmes is helping out that just genuinely needs help. But a lot of the time they're like, who who are you? <laughs> you know, like they they walk in like. <laughs> How, how can some random... You don't even work with the police. Like, just... Holmes is really just... Yeah. An eccentric person 
to a lot of these guys. So I, yeah, it, it's definitely yeah. probably a pride thing. Like, there's no way, there's no way someone without a title could <laughs> could do this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you've got regular human blood. There's no lizard man in you at all. <laughs> so, and at this point comes. I, just just the absolute wildest moment in this story <laughs> that I you could have told me that this was coming and I would not have believed you that they're they're doing a bit of spin up where Holmes is saying oh yeah no no we we caught the bad guys we're gonna we're gonna get them super arrested it's gonna be real good and and Candlemere says yeah okay well I okay so do it. <laughs> like what do you what do you need? Like what's you, like what do you what's, what's stopping you essentially? Mm-hmm. And what final evidence do you need? Oh, we need the uh, the actual possession of the stone. Oh, okay. You would arrest them upon that? Oh, most undoubtedly. In that case, my dear sir, I should be under the painful necessity of advising your arrest. <laughs> and <laughs> Lord Candlemere is understandably very angry and says, "What the hell?" are you talking about dude i'm here to solve i don't have fucking time for this guy i have to go oversee the execution of a bunch of people who did nothing wrong to appease my political people (laughs) and holmes holmes tells him to put his hand in the right coat of his pocket thinger just reach into the old the old warmer and he pulls out the stone and holmes just reverse picket pocketed him for funsies yep I don't see... This is actually, I feel like, the most in-character moment in the whole story. <laughs> Holmes would absolutely do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, he likes uh, the dramatic denouement. He does. Especially the de- the degree to which this guy went out of his way to doubt Holmes's abilities. He's like, alright, I'm not just gonna solve the case, I'm gonna solve the case and make you look stupid. <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah, mm. and... And honestly, like, in in the context of this guy being such a dick to Holmes for mm-hmm. no reason, the idea that he would secretly have been behind the crimes the whole time, and that's why he was rooting for Holmes to fail, and that's why he thought it wasn't going to work, like, that would add up in a more serious story. Like was that, him was that your theory? The crime did, you, did you think that as no, a theory? No, I, I didn't theorize. I didn't formulate. You just stopped. You just I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As soon as I realized what kind of story this was, I just threw my notebook out the window and, <laughs> and just rode the wave. That is the um, best way to experience a Sherlock Holmes story, absolutely. <laughs> for real. But see, here's the thing. I can't imagine this guy would be standing there just dissing Sherlock to his face and some part of his brain is going, huh, one of my pockets feels like a baseball just dropped into it. I'll investigate that later. Better keep berating this person. (laughs) Yeah. No time to stop interrupting and insulting this detective I've hired. Uh, and yeah, Holmes, Holmes just essentially says, lol, JK, JK, here's your giant diamond. Get the hell out of here. Come on. (laughs) And, and, and has Billy show them out. I, Mm. I like that. I like that ending. I like the ending. It's just a couple of sentences, but it's essentially Holmes going, okay, Billy, show this prick out. Bring me some food. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> he has earned it. Uh, and it's very satisfying. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, I enjoyed uh, that story a hell of a lot. I I, I had to admit, like, to, Paul, you were you were so gung ho for this on Twitter, and <laughs> as we have as we have discussed, our ability to be far too credulous with you <laughs> is it's not unknown to us. Like, we know it's a problem. We just don't know when not to do it. So <laughs> we. I don't think we knew what we were in for. I didn't anyway. If you ever have me back, I am milking that for everything it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good call. We're definitely having you back. So this story is amazing. Uh, It's it's very entertaining uh, for its ridiculousness. But do you personally think, Paul, that this is the most ridiculous Sherlock Holmes story? Or do you think that there's another one that is just even wilder and... uh, but it's still in the canon, like a canonical work that you're just like, who wrote this? Because it definitely right. was Doyle, because he would. But <laughs> no, some no some others place. that you could see as as being part of the novelization of Holmes and Watson. Mm-hmm. I I find it difficult to do. I'm I'm naturally inclined to the minute someone says this is bad, I'm going to decide <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever encountered. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But yes. I, don't, up. I don't even need to read it. That's my favorite now. <laughs> that tracks. That is the best way to be a fan, honestly. That's that that is definitely my relationship with Star Trek. If someone says an episode's bad, I gotta watch it right away, drop everything I'm doing. <laughs> like, let's see. Yeah, How bad is all it? All the goodness in it. It's it. mm. Yep. I don't know I don't know. Um, it's so much more of a fun way to uh Creep Creeping Man is an interesting one. Creeping, creeping man. man, yeah, which you have yeah, done, haven't it... you? I think I've heard that one. The creeping men? No, we've done no. the dancing men. Yeah, not yet. Ah, you yeah, must. I don't have think we've done that one yet. Ah, oh, could I? Okay. okay. My um. <laughs> Absolutely. Are, are we suggesting that for the next? <laughs> <laughs> creeping man um, is bizarre. It's it's early sci-fi. Um, Ooh, and, and, and lots of people diss on it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of fun to be had in that one. Okay, all right, right on. It, I mean, honestly, enjoying something for its badness is so much more fun than critiquing it and being like, "This is horrible." This, oh, yeah. my franchise failed me. I, you know, I never want to read it. It's like you would you take the the bad is part of the good if you look at it. If you're enlightened, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, if you're enlightened. Hey, look, I would much rather be talking about what I like than what I hate. At the end of the day, so mm, you know, absolutely enjoying it's stuff true. is a lot more fun. Um, it really is, and there's there's this attitude that like disliking something or thinking something is bad means you take things seriously and means you're on like a, a firmer intellectual footing, and then and that's just nonsense. First of all, it. <laughs> It doesn't make the important distinction between I don't like this thing and I think this thing is bad because those are two different things and they're very often treated the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah but you're absolutely right. Like liking things is better than not liking things. There's a, there's enough to not like out there. Yes. Well, gentlemen, let's talk Huxtables. <laughs> Nicholas, how about you? Because you're leftmost on my screen. Um, Did anybody stand out to you in this? Uh, any anything? It doesn't have to be a person, as as we've learned. I think that the definition has gotten a lot broader. In fact, on a on an episode of Squirrel Scouts of America, we haven't released yet. Uh, Liz Layton gave her Huxtable Award to a headband with a pair of squirrel ears on it. So I think we're we're broadening the definitions a little bit. All right. In that case, I definitely want to give it to the bust of Holmes's head because that thing has <laughs> survived so much. 
attempts on <laughs> That's its true. existence. It's, it's been, been shot, shot at least once. It's been shot. It's been attempted bashed or shot. I've been attempted shot again. Whatever he was planning to do with the with the guy. I don't know. You hit Strangle people with hated. guns, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what you, you do. Can. And, you can. And have a plan. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, it's, and it's so useful. It's come in useful. So, and this is only, it's only mentioned in two stories, but who knows how many instances Holmes has used it for various purposes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want, he's with, making that thing pay for itself. He, he doesn't he's want driving in the to worry about him, you know, being gone. So he just puts it in his bed and makes it look like he's sleeping. It's great. All that kinds of exactly. infinite uses. He takes it to the movies. This is a different <laughs> mannequin. Oh, is and, it? You know, oh, well, this is the problem with like uh, eating and living Sherlock every waking hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different mannequin. It's by a different this artist. A, so Holmes has many of these. Otherwise, they'd all spot the hole straight through it. So who knows which bust I'm bestowing the <laughs> A whole separate room just for busts. That's not creepy. <laughs> yep. That's why Watson moved out. <laughs> so you've got that. You've got that bit in um, the Great Hiatus between. Final problem and uh, the empty house. He says uh, he spent some time in France. What he's done there is he's gone around all of the waxwork model makers, getting a sample there we from go. him. He's got I a Madame see. Two Swords in there somewhere. <laughs> that makes so yeah, much more sense. Yes. Yeah, you never know. I mean, he's planning on it being shot anyway, so you know that one's not going to be good for that's one <laughs> use. Yeah, that's a point. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get used up. You're going to have to. Huh. If Watson's not around, he needs somebody to talk to. You know, one for that. <laughs> if, what, if Watson's not around, he needs somebody to be in danger for him. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, how about you? Have you got a Huxtable? Uh, see, I would have said Billy, but then you opened it up to mm-hmm. uh, not living things as well. It's got to be the secret passage <laughs> that has yes. the decency yeah. to just suddenly exist out of nowhere. And then... <laughs> disappear again when it's done its job yep exactly perfect even better <laughs> i was useful device. when i was needed yep i mean billy billy yeah. should get billy. the award for that too he's he he and the secret passage are the same in that regard <laughs> he's a remarkable character yeah. he's he's stuck around there for whatever it is 16 years is it it works out at i mean zero um, years for him because he's immortal put, putting but... up with all of this crap pretending that he's yeah. like seven years old for all this mm-hmm. time. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a little hero. He Absolutely. is. And a vampire tell you what, that Holmes has bound into his service. One of my favorite <laughs> things about Billy as well. Um, he he wasn't me. named by Conan Doyle. So you, you know... What? You know the William Gillette play? Mm-hmm. Oh, of, of course. He had... Well, uh, you don't know the William Gillette play. <laughs> this is unforgivable. <laughs> Nick, Nick I, you, you Paul need... Thomas Miller, you... <laughs> Okay. Okay, we're all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> balance has been restored. The William Gillette play. Uh, he had a uh, Billy the Page right. Boy in that. Uh, in fact, oh, when it was played okay. in England, one of Charlie Chaplin's first roles was uh, Billy the Page Boy. Oh, oh yeah, really? I remember. I think I remember reading that. Yeah, I think that was a, also the some nice photos of him done up as Billy the Page Boy. But it could be. Oh, huh, that's so cool. Wasn't that the play, the one that popularized the Deerstalker too? A lot of stuff came out of the play. The Deerstalker, the big curly pipe that mm-hmm. meant that he could deliver huh. his lines without it obscuring his mouth. Um, yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, the Deerstalker he did take from Padgett. Padgett had drawn him with the Deerstalker a couple of times, but uh, William Gillette took it and ran with it and made it popular. 
So yeah, he also do we know named why, Billy. Do we know why Deerstalker? Did they just think, hey, he needs a weird hat? Or <laughs> the story that I've read is he he says that he's wearing a traveling cap in one of the stories, and uh, right. Patchett happened to have a Deerstalker hanging up near him, so that's what he drew. Hmm. That's what Simple I wear while traveling. Fun. So yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, you know what's interesting? It, it occurs to me, I just finished um, reading A Confederacy of Dunces uh, to my wife at bedtime, one of my very favorite books. And the the main character, uh, Ignatius Riley, who is this uh, pretentious oaf who thinks he's a genius and thinks he understands how the world works, he consistently wears... Um, I think it's referred to as like a hunting cap or something, but it's of the same essential construction as a deer stalker. It's, it's green and, and felty and fuzzy and, and gross, mm. but it's got the <clears throat> ear flaps and it's got the thing and he's wearing it constantly. And it occurs to me that that might be intended as a kind of, uh, iconic or like symbolic symmetry, like a, like a kind of Sherlock, like, oh, that's a symbol of a smart guy. Because that's, I mean, that's a universal thing now. It's a, it's a visual yeah. trope. All you have to do is put a, a deer stalker on someone and, oh, we know that person is a genius. Or at the very least, addicted to drugs. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, speaking of Charlie Chaplin, okay, wait a minute. I'm connecting dots here. Charles Chaplin, who had a biopic in, I want to say 1990, made where he was played by Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr., Jr., who then went to play Holmes. Yes. Full circle. Yep. Wonderful stuff. It's all connected. It is. We are all part of the extended Holmes universe. <laughs> For my part, um,. I th- I think I have to give my Huxtable to Arthur Conan Doyle on this one. Really? Who just decided not to worry about it <laughs> and just decided to have fun, just hit control F and, and just have Holmes be a merry prankster throughout this. Cause I mean, I, I haven't seen the play as we've discussed, but like, is the play as bonkers as this? Like, is Holmes as much of a weird little goblin in it? <laughs> if, if you read the script, it's the same story. Just cross out a couple wow. of nouns and change them. Um, mm. wild. It's the same. And, and Doyle wrote the play. Yeah. 2nd of May, 1921. So. There you go. Later that year, this came out. Although, as some reckons he wrote it a lot earlier. Uh, Adrian Conan Doyle mm. reckoned he'd written it in the early 1900s. That makes sense. And then it just mm. came out uh, as a. Sh- it was performed later on. Right. Yeah, mm. basically, his psychic bookshop was sucking up all his money. <laughs> it totally did. It ran at a loss constantly, and he would oh, just, really? he would just whack out one of these to uh, top up the funds. Oh no! Oh, sad. Yeah, he believed he was saving the world. So, so, what about the critical reception for these for the play? Do you know anything? How how did, were they a hit? Because were people still as into Holmes? You you know if you want critical reception how it was received you need to get Matthias Bostrom see if you can talk to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll, you'll, right. you'll find yourself with a very long podcast but we will reach genius. out to him on on Twitter for sure if he is on there we do we'll hunt yeah. down Matthias I'm sure that'll be a good time <laughs> well that was uh, <laughs> you, you know the the episode I, I, I think this episode has been spiritually in tune with the story it represented. I think we did an excellent job of, of representing the uh, just the true flavor Absolutely. there. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Newfound appreciation. Yes, thank you so much. It was an honor. No, thank you for having me. It's been a really, been really good fun. 
Yeah, this was a great time. We're definitely going to have to have you back. And uh, I can't believe we've invented uh, two new podcasts we're going to have to do in as many episodes. <laughs> but um, And we'll definitely, like, we'll continue. It'll be... It'll be the final Podblum in the twenty second, whatever crap. We'll 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 yes. figure it out, but we'll definitely have to have you back I'm for that. Absolutely ready for it. In the meanwhile, uh, <laughs> let me let me ring up my copy of the canon here. Uh, Paul, if you should care to choose for us a number between one and no, wait. Let me make sure I've removed this one from the list first. <laughs> uh, I know which one you've you've removed. You've got to do it at some point. The Three Gables. Three Gables? The three, oh, no. The original, the one that Nicholas said we couldn't do because racism. It is. Oh, it is no. horrible. It is absolutely horrible uh, that, he, that he did that, but he did that. Okay. Do we want to take it on, he then? did that. You know what, Nicholas? Yeah, I think when we started off, because I think that was like the second or third one that we chose randomly, and we mm-hmm. were very scared. But we were like, new. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think we're mature yeah. enough now to, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, th- I think more than that, I think anyone who's listened to any other episode would know that we wouldn't accidentally condone racism. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think we've, we've gained the experience points and the cred. Mm. Our rep is strong. So, okay, we'll, we'll read the Three Gables and destroy it. Uh, yes. because we cannot pretend that people we adore, uh, did not do awful things. And that is part of appreciating the good things that they did. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's a nice, interesting contrast as well with Doyle in real life. When you look at, uh, the Georgia Dalgy case that he took on, where he decided somebody had been prosecuted purely out of race prejudice, is what he called it. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, and, and he fought and fought and fought and got that young man released Mm -hmm. yeah i remember that a little bit so he did the same for a guy called oscar slater as well and and oscar slater was uh an an immigrant and jewish and therefore in victorian england of low rank so he was fitted up for something put away and he was an unpleasant fellow in real life he was a bit of a (laughs) brute and a thief but he hadn't done this crime and he was put away Again, race prejudice. And mm, Arthur Conan right. Doyle fought and fought and fought and got him released. Um, so, right on. So he wasn't, for, for his time, he was a lot more enlightened than the people around him. Right. Yeah. But he still made these hideous mistakes. And, and looking at that, it always makes me wonder, you know, I think I'm doing great now. You know, <laughs> I've, I'm right on on everything. What is it I'm getting wrong? What is it I'm getting right. massively wrong? Yeah. And I've no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If any, if yeah. anything, it's a nice. Uh, it, it's it's an optimistic thing to think about because, like, even though he was a product of his time, despite that, he was still so progressive in a lot of ways. And it's it's right. it's nice. It's like you you don't want to think of everyone in history as always being like. There's always people on the right side of history, and it's nice, especially when it's something you like right. personally. To find out that the author was a was a pretty good guy, um, overall. So yeah, I mean, he, he was a humanist. What he was, yeah, he, he, he yeah. was absolutely yeah. a human. Uh, he fought for mm-hmm. women's rights, but at the same time opposed suffrage. Uh, he <laughs> he <laughs> figure that one out. <laughs> as complicated yeah. as we all are, yeah, he genuinely thought it would ruin uh, what homes are like, and you know, <laughs> that we wouldn't be able to function as a society. So. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was capable of good. He was capable of being a com- complete dick. 
mm. like we all are. Hmm. Just like everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Capable of supporting women. Capable of describing Italians in terms of stabbiness. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting, Nicholas. I learned. Um, I was again. I was listening to Omnibus. I, I tend to go. I tend to go real deep on a specific podcast until I've listened to all of it. And so, I you know, my my wife has been hearing a lot about Omnibus. But um, <laughs> I remember when you and I did the episode on uh, the uh, the five orange pips. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned that France had um abolished slavery very early on like at the beginning of the 1700s or something like that well early early by american standards yeah. uh, anyway um i vaguely remember uh, anyway, that yeah but something like that but apparently uh after the after the french revolution um napoleon reinstated slavery because no. he thought it would be good for the economy which oh. Hmm. Which is hilarious because that's one of the things Americans are taught was that no, slavery is not an economically viable thing at any, anything resembling the industrial level. <laughs> We've proved that. Exactly. Yeah, just the idea that he was like one of the greatest military geniuses of all time, but he was like, no, no, trust me, it'll be fine. I'm sure the economy will be great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people without economic qualifications or who have been demonstrably terrible at managing dozens of businesses throughout their lifetime, despite being given every financial advantage from the time of their birth, maybe they shouldn't be in control of determining how entire economies that affect the entire world's financial situation work. <laughs> I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> I, lo- I love you guys' ability that no matter what dick moves we've made politically over here in the last four years, you've always managed to one-up us. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, part of, it's part of our cultural heritage, is one-upsmanship. And see, that's yeah. We don't see. We're not letting England yeah. win on this one. Right, America's nope. out here like, we have to be better than England in every way possible, including fucking up. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Oh yeah, your economy's not doing great. Watch this. <laughs> Hold my Bud Light, man. All right, <laughs> that's my impression of an American. Yes, uh, <laughs> you did a good job. I almost believed it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, you can and should uh, go listen to Paul pop in on the Watson podcast, whose name I'll get right one of these days, uh, <laughs> over with our pals uh, Brad Kefauver and Robert Parrott. What? Forgive me, Paul. What is your bullpup name? I'm Buck. That's bull right, bullpup buck. Bull yeah, bark okay. or buck? Buck. Buck. Bullpup buck. 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 All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm very proud of us that we got through this entire thing without any accent confusion, except for the intentionally misleading place names you gave us. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie, I was worried was not, about that. That was not confusion, that was outright abuse. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, that was deceit. Uh, hey, uh, hey, yes. You, California Go. dude, pronounce this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have total faith in you. Um, you go listen to the Watson podcast with those cats. We will link to it. Um, you are free to follow us on Twitter at the final podblum. Please do. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear how many wax busts of Holmes you have and, uh, how much they look like Jeremy Brett and whether or not you would be willing to sell one to Nicholas. Um, if you should like to do so, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash semi-automagic. Uh, that is our podcast network name for the meanwhile. Um, ordinarily, 
if you were to fling us $5 a month to show your love and appreciation, you would get these episodes a week early and also a bunch of bonus materials. But due to catastrophic worldwide plague, uh, we are making all of our material available to you freely presently because a lot of people got a lot of time that needs filling and if you want to listen to us dum-dums just be goofums uh and if that brings you any any joy or distraction we are happy to do so so you can find our main podcast feed uh, it's called the semi-auto magic inc everything feed and there you can find all of our episodes you can find episodes of dice and virtue where we play dungeons and dragons you can find episodes of the gerald field report uh where we go over episodes of hey arnold <laughs> and uh episodes no i i apologize paul i was not making a rude gesture at you. I was listener. We're, okay, look, Paul. No, I'm sorry. I no, this is an American sign language nope, thing. It's one, two, that. three. You do the thumb. You do the thumb three. It's the German three. That's what I should have done. I should have faced it forward here. I am not Nixon going to Britain and accidentally flipping everyone up. All right, um, and you can also. Listen to Peculiar Objects, uh, where our pal Thony runs a tabletop game called Kids on Bikes uh, for us, where we solve a mystery in a small town in the 1980s. Uh, until then, please do tweet at us. Please go listen to the Weekly Watsonian slash Watsonian Weekly slash What's Up with Watson. It's such a fun show. I love it. <laughs> it's a really good it's show. It's very relaxing. Like, which is what I need these days. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's chill as hell. Sometimes Brad reads you a slice out of a novel about a frozen pirate who comes back to life. What more do you want out of life? <laughs> um, until then, take care of yourselves. Uh, take care of each other. Wash your damn hands and stay inside. Your freedom is not being oppressed. We're trying to keep you from getting killed. Stars and stones. Anyway, <laughs> until then, all our buddies, uh, we love you. And check your pockets for diamonds. <laughs> Till next time, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Paul, say goodbye to the nice people. I, I don't know these people. They're your people. <laughs> you say goodbye to them. <laughs> Fair enough. Paul says bye, everybody. Uh, love you. <laughs> let me, uh... Let me, I've... Let, Stry- let me kick Strider out forcefully real quick. One second. <laughs> yes. Please do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how does one go about a did the Sherloft occur naturally was it like was it was was the Sherloft like a, was it like a geode that just grew around itself or did you intentionally yeah. say no here I will establish this will be my holy land this this was a um, it it was my man cave anyway but um, sure it was it was kind of music studio ish I got some friends. They right. come around. We mess around with guitars and stuff. It's it's not sure. Noodle it's around. not useful in any way. But but gradually the musical instruments well, have been shrinking into the corners. Still got me <laughs> right. Drums over there. Guitars over Ooh. there somewhere. Ooh. Right. On. I love it. Cellos shrieking down to violas and similar. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna be a Sherlock Holmes fan, you need a you need a violin. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't oh, of play it, Oh, but... look at that. No, well, neither can Holmes, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, I took violin lessons for like half a year once, and it was... it. I, I know how to hold it now. <laughs> that's about it. That's, you want I think that's half the battle, honestly. It really is. Yeah. Because if you look at a person who's holding it properly, that's in their minds. They're like, well, he, they clearly know what they're doing. I don't know what that's supposed to sound like. That's probably... That's probably fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas, how many cats are going to emerge from behind your right <laughs> That's shoulder? That's the last one, I promise. Scout. Okay. Uh, Scout. Scout's Hi, making a guest Scout. appearance. This thing on? Yes! What the hell is on the side of that bookshelf? <laughs> the eyes? Yeah. yeah, it's a mask. <gasps> oh, it's a mask? Oh, sick. <laughs> That's cool. I thought it was a drawing of Sherlock as a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely that, actually. Oh my gosh, that's I mean, it amazing. We'll have to get confirmation we return. Wander off and leave you there. Hang on. No, no, we're <laughs> oh, okay. That's terrifying. <laughs> no, that that is that is a nightmare. Uh, oh, that is way- it's, oh, no, God. stop it. Away. <laughs> Be gone. I, I've got oh, a problem. I've got God. a serious Sherlock Holmes problem. If it's got a Holmes on it, I can't not buy it. It's that w- that would enough. be me if I have money. If I had money, honestly, I would have a I have a full size cardboard cutout of Jeremy Brett in my room at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not weird, Nicholas. What happened? What happened to the face? It seems it seems like a certain portion of the face has been. Is this smooching damage? I don't. No, no, it came like that. It just came like that. It's fine. <laughs> oh man. It's yeah. Rushes out. Have we lost Paul? Paul, are you there? I don't know. Okay, you're fro- oh, okay, you're frozen, cool. but I can still hear you. Oh. Yeah, your video froze. We just you want can't to make see sure this. You're still there. No, you're fine. No, we can't, <laughs> but I can feel the energy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, we've no. we've got Hairlock Holmes. Hairlock Holmes. There's sure, yeah, there's a it's it's a pun that works better in print, but it's there. <laughs> uh, somebody will find that funny, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, Nicholas. Casey. Casey does. 